0: Welcome to the podcast. This is hypochondriacs almanac and we are really excited to be here recording. I have a special guest with me tonight. Katrina is traveling and unable to record so I have Sam. Say hi Sam. Hello listeners. (laughs) Sam is a friend of mine from way back in the day. I actually met her through somebody that I was seeing for a brief period of time and basically when we split up I got to keep Sam. (laughs) Right, you won.
1: <laughs> yes. you got the better end of that deal. I went
0: to I got Sam in the settlement. Um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself since they already know about me, where are you from?
1: So I am from Nevada. Um, I have been a nurse for nine years, um, mostly emergency room. I've worked in two major um, emergency rooms like in major cities. Um, and I'm in a smaller city now. I have two young kids, a uh, two and four year old, and a wonderful husband.
0: Awesome. And you said you are a nurse now, which is probably the primary reason why I have you as a guest on the show, because this is a medical related show. This right. is the podcast that's for all of you guys out there who secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a slight twinge, or a headache. No, it's not a tumor. We understand, (laughs) we identify, and we have definitely scoped out WebMD more than a few hundred times. My hand is raised on that one. I always look online as soon as I start to feel something weird. Yes. (laughs) But we are here to talk about weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy syndromes, rare disorders, and all things medical. But before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, we are not doctors or medical professionals on this show designed to give you medical advice. Sam is a nurse, but please, please, please do not take anything we say on this show as medical advice. We are not trying to treat, diagnose, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Do not guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun and weird parts of medicine in the world, in the past, present, and future. So let's jump right in. Um, tonight we have a couple of fun things to talk about. These are always, these have always been some things that have been very interesting to me. And one of them is cocaine and Coca-Cola. Um, I know that back in the day, a lot of products used to contain dangerous substances and cocaine and Coca-Cola has always been sort of a trippy thing. What do you think about that, Sam?
1: Uh, I've heard that too. And I think that, I don't know what, if it was actual cocaine, because when you told me we were doing this, I read a little bit about it and it's something from the leaves of the coca plant, but it's not specifically cocaine. I don't, at least not this one article.
0: <laughs> well, let's jump right in. I have this article off life science.com or live science. I apologize there. Um, about this particular topic. So let's find out. The the article is by Elizabeth Palermo and it's called, Does Coca-Cola Contain Cocaine? There's nothing quite like the sugary rush that accompanies a cold glass of Coca-Cola. But did you know that the aptly named Coke used to deliver an even bigger kick? Until 1903, the world-famous soft drink contained a significant dose of cocaine. I don't know what counts as significant, but evidently it did contain cocaine. While the Coca-Cola company officially denies the presence of cocaine in any of its products, past or present, historical evidence suggests that the original Coca-Cola did, in fact, contain cocaine. Coca-Cola was first created in 1886 by Atlanta pharmacist John Pemberton, who modeled his beverage after a then-popular French refreshment, Coca-Wine. This was made by mixing coca leaf extract with Bordeaux wine. So like that must've been a crazy beverage back in the day. Kind of like absinthe, to like give oh, you yeah. some, some serious, crazy fun when you drink uh, to avoid <clears throat> liquor regulations. Pemberton chose to mix his coca leaf extract with sugar syrup instead of wine, because back in the day there was quite a bit of difference as far as how alcohol was handled in the U S and then they had the prohibition and all kinds of other different things with the alcohol industry. So, He kind of wanted to stay away from the alcohol. So instead, he's like, hey, let's throw a little cocaine in there. Although back then, it wasn't necessarily known as cocaine or treated in the same way that cocaine is treated now. It was not a regulated drug in the way that it is regulated now. But he also added colonette extract, lending Coca-Cola the second half of its name, as well as an extra jolt of caffeine. While cocaine-infused beverages may seem far-fetched to modern readers, these drinks were quite common in the, late 19th, in the late 19th century. Cocaine was not illegal in the United States until 1914, and until then, the substance had a variety of sometimes questionable medical uses. Cocaine tonics, powders, and pills were popularly believed to cure a variety of ailments, from headache and fatigue to constipation, nausea, asthma, and impotence.
1: <laughs> Don't they say when people snort coke they get diarrhea?
0: I have never heard that, but it does not surprise me.
1: I think it's because they cut it with baby aspirin. Oh my word! I and baby
0: aspirin once. makes you have
1: diarrhea. No, there's something it it has a funny effect. Like I forget
0: something on your I, intestinal organs.
1: Yeah, because I knew I knew a someone who drew who uh, dealt drugs and had told me about it. Oh Lord! Anyways, another side <laughs> note. Yeah, sorry. Um, How fun is that? No, it, it was interesting. Um, no, I do believe. I believe it though because there's a lot of medical stuff. I think back in the day they'd put morphine and some things that you wouldn't have thought. I don't. I want to say cough syrup, but I'm not sure. We're so gonna, I do. We're gonna. Actually- it, it might have. We're gonna get
0: into in that there. a little bit more later, so keep okay. that thought because I don't think you're yeah. wrong on that one.
1: Well, in like as far as coke medically, we still use cocaine solution today for extreme nosebleeds. It's Whoa. in the medication, like the pick. They call it a pixis, but it's in like the medicine uh, machine that Whoa. like dispenses. Hey, yeah, see- and I saw it used once because it constricts the blood vessels in the nose.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. So finishing up here, this says by 1903, the tide of public opinion had turned against the widely used and abused narcotic, leading the Coca-Cola company's then manager, Asa Griggs Chandler, to remove nearly all cocaine from the company's beverages. So it was in there for a while, from the 1800s all the way through 1903.
1: It Um, must have been real Coke then and not like just the extract from a leaf. Yep. But Coke
0: wouldn't become completely cocaine-free until 1929, so they reduced it dramatically, but they didn't remove it altogether (laughs) until 1929, when scientists perfected the process of removing all psychoactive elements from coca leaf extract. While the modern-day recipe for Coca-Cola is a highly prized company secret, there is reason to believe the beverage still contains the same non-narcotic coca leaf extract that it did in 1929. According to the New York Times, the Coca-Cola company was continuing to import coca-leaves from Peru and Bolivia until at least the late 1980s. Well, that's a shame. If it doesn't
1: make you high, they should leave it in there.
0: They're not fucking around. They still have that drug <laughs> in there. I swear to God, I feel different when I drink Coca-Cola. I'm not even kidding you.
1: <laughs> I don't drink it enough to know.
0: No, I mean, I really I try but. to stay away from soda on the whole, but oh, if, yeah. it's interesting, and I wonder... If somewhere in some dusty closet somewhere, there's some old bottles of it sitting that have never been opened.
1: That's what you should like eBay that. Right?
0: (laughs) Wouldn't that be intense? Although I'm, I'm terrified. I've never done drugs and I am terrified to discover or find out or know what would happen to me if I actually did drugs because I am freaking crazy enough on my own. I don't need cocaine to add to that situation.
1: Oh, I know. Well, think working in a hospital, and you see all the worst situations, and the people that, you know, oh, I did math and then had a heart attack and died. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So I would be the person that would try, you know, a little bit of this or that, and then end up dead.
0: Yeah. So. I'm not messing around with all that, because I would literally be that person, too. It's like, right. oh, you'd no. you'd either
1: be a junkie, or you'd be dead, and then... It wouldn't be worth
0: it. Yeah. I mean, and, and they always say, well, no one dies from doing marijuana. I would probably be the one person to die. Like, the first person so, to prove it wrong.
1: That would be impressive. Right? <laughs> <But>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not even going to test it because no thanks. Thanks for no thanks. I'll just have my little my little champ drink here and I'll be good.
1: But by the time you get old, don't you think medical, like medical marijuana will have come so far? You'll be taking weed pills when you're old.
0: Maybe. I mean, I'm not yeah. opposed to the idea if it enhances my health and if I don't get high from it. Yeah. Because I think it's the high I'm afraid of. Oh, uh, my
1: grandma, we gave it to my grandma for sleep. We send it to her.
0: So Because
1: it's le- go ahead. legal near me. It's legal near me, and so we told her, take one-third of the gummy just before you go to sleep. <laughs> You're feeding and, your grandma drugs! Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, totally. But cool. it's not going to mess with her. She went to sleep, she woke up, she said, oh my gosh, I was terrified. We said, why, Grandma? She said, I thought I was going to pee the bed. I hadn't slept that well in 20 years. (laughs) So she just had
0: like a third of a gummy, a half of a gummy, and that's it?
1: Well, a third, not a half, but a third, yeah, because it relaxed her enough. And then she slept because she doesn't have problems falling asleep. So it's not like she was awake for the high.
0: So she didn't get high off the the gummy?
1: Well, not that she remembers because she went to bed. Oh, my God. Maybe I should try this. Well, it's it's legal where you are, so.
0: (laughs) I clearly live in a state where it's legal, so um, this might need to be happening. I don't know. We'll see. The verdict's out on that one. (laughs) Start with CBD
1: oil. Ease yourself. I know, right?
0: I actually have a special guest that's coming on next weekend who's going to talk all about CBD oil, so that should be a really, really interesting show, and I can't wait to kind of delve into some of the sort of off-shelf shootout uses of marijuana and marijuana extracts and just the plant itself because quite frankly if you watch the news there are story after story after show after show about things that they're doing with the extracts of that plant including cure helping cure epilepsy helping make children with seizures be able to live a normal and somewhat functional life i mean it's pretty incredible i
1: think that strain is called charlotte's web there might be more now but i remember hearing about that and uh yeah, you'll have to let me know when that episode drops.
0: Yeah, super super fun. I can't wait to talk about that. Mm. It's um, I have a, it's another nurse friend of mine. She's in Texas, and she's fun. just I guess very knowledgeable about that. And she has some other different products that she has been experimenting with, as far as collagen replacement and some other fun things mm. that I'm really excited to talk about. Last week we did a show with an with a doctor, which we'll be dropping here pretty soon about the thyroid. Mm-hmm. So some very very fun stuff on the show and. I'm always excited to have great guests like Miss Sam here. Sam was always the person I'd be like, "Well, what do I do? I feel like this is going on." (laughs) I would text her or email her, and I still do if I have like a bad (laughs) issue. But my sister is now in nursing school too, so like I know a lot of nurses now. Believe it or not,
1: just throw out the group text; someone will respond.
0: Right? Exactly. (laughs) So this next article that I have is sort of along the same lines as the first one, except this is some really interesting stuff. And I've always really had a secret fascination for this. And I remember I started reading about it probably 10, 15 years ago um, when I first started thinking about it after I heard the cocaine and the Coca-Cola issue and thought, no, that's just an old wives' tale or this is just like some crazy story that's been floating around there that's not really true. But then it turns out, There were a lot of crazy remedies back in the day, but this particular article is on bestmedicaldegrees.com, but it's called 10 Dangerous Drugs Once Marketed as Medicine. It's an article by Jeremy Alder. Mm -hmm. In the 19th and 20th centuries, people suffering from any number of diseases and bodily discomforts could find what were touted as cures at their local pharmacy. Chloroform, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine were regularly offered as solutions for everything from sore throats and toothache to coughs, insomnia, and depression. These substances were often highly addictive, dangerous, and sometimes deadly. Most are now tightly restricted, if not banned from the market. Take a look and see what the field of medicine was like not so very long ago and perhaps consider it an extra motivation to get the best medical degree possible. So this particular website is designed to kind of direct people into the world of medical degrees, nursing, the medical field. But it's very interesting because they actually pulled this from some legitimate sources that actually talk about what's in these types of medication. But the number 10 on this list is cocaine toothache drops. So again... People using that cocaine to the best of their ability, although and I will try to post some of the pictures of these advertisements for these medical, medical cures and medicines on either social media or I'll put a link to the articles within the show notes. But this one has two little children sitting building a log cabin, and it's this advertisement for cocaine toothache drops. But although giving little children cocaine to relieve toothache sounds outrageous today, the drug's use as an over-the-counter medication was seen as acceptable from the 1800s until the beginning of the 20th century. Sigmund Freud extolled the virtues of cocaine for its supposed ability to treat depression and impotence, while Coca-Cola's initial popularity may have been due due in part to having the drug among its ingredients. Many medical beverages and tonics began to contain cocaine long-term uses of which oh, excuse me long-term users of which may have suffered seriously as it disrupted eating and sleeping patterns caused psychotic delusions and hallucinations not to mention severe depression upon withdrawal cocaine was banned in the US in the 20s but by then the drug had already had a well established market so they're killing it with the cocaine by throwing it in all sorts of fun little things.
1: Well, doesn't uh what's that movie about the guy who does all the coke with Johnny Depp? You know what the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's a scene where he's like testing to see if it's good. I don't know if it was Johnny Depp or another character and they like put it on their gums.
0: Yeah. It's legit.
1: I bet it probably does. It probably numbs the area.
0: Oh, fun stuff. No,
1: thanks.
0: (laughs) Super scared of cocaine. (laughs) So I guess Bayer used to have heroin in it. That's some fun stuff. That's
1: crazy. That is
0: number nine on the list. Bayer Pharmaceutical Products invented heroin and started selling it from 1898. The drug now responsible for a high proportion of all drug overdose deaths was promoted as a cough suppressant, as well as a better and safer substitute for morphine and codeine. Heroin was welcomed with open arms as an effective remedy, this being an age when pneumonia, tuberculosis, and even the common cold were scourges, and doctors by the thousands were sent free samples to try. Nevertheless, no sooner than 18, excuse me, 1899, stories began emerging of people becoming tolerant to the drug, and over the following few years, addiction causes started to be reported. Bayer stopped manufacturing heroin in 1913, and it was banned in the U.S. in 1924. So what's interesting is I just read another article saying Canada is now legalizing heroin as a prescription medication.
1: Prescription for what?
0: For people that are addicted to heroin, I guess. I don't know. It was a, For pain? Super, super interesting. Hey, give me one second. Let me, like, look it up because it was on Yahoo.
1: That's nuts. I mean, I could see, like, the heroin in the cough syrup. It probably resembles, like codeine and cough syrup, which is actually, I think the only real ingredient that will suppress a cough. The rest is just for comfort.
0: Well, here's an article, to, not to like take a huge no jump from the article that we're in, but there's an article on the WashingtonPost.com. Canada has just approved prescription heroin. It says. The Canadian government has quietly approved new drug regulations that will permit doctors to prescribe par- pharmaceutical-grade heroin to treat severe addicts who have not responded to more conventional approaches. The move means that Crosstown, a trailblazing clinic in Vancouver, will be able to expand its special heroin maintenance program, in which addicts come in as many as three times a day and receive prescribed injections of legally obtained heroin from a nurse for free.
1: Seriously. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: So you want not... to give
1: them all the weed they want? Have at it, but
0: they're not using it as a remedy for colds. They're using it to help addicts. So, well, I
1: guess it's better than finding them dead on the street. If you're giving them a certain dose, well, it's then they're not going to like get a crazy batch and then die.
0: They haven't legalized marijuana yet, but yet they've legalized heroin, which is like a thousand times worse, right? That doesn't make any well, sense to me. That's kind of ass backwards.
1: I wonder if you have to be like a proven addict. I gotta do probably that, you've you got to be under you've got to be like care, something. right? yeah yeah you can't just walk up and be like hey can i get my heroin shot <laughs> give me <No>. my fix <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: ridiculous so anyway. jumping back into my 10 dangerous drugs article number eight on the list is kimball white pine and tar cough syrups that contain chloroform <laughs> huh. fun stuff Kimball white pine and tar cough syrup, which contained four minimums, minims, minimums, that's a measurement, I guess, of chloroform was marketed as an effective tonic for cold symptoms and bronchitis. Indeed, as early as 1847, chloroform was used to relieve asthma symptoms and as a general anesthetic. So for those of you who don't know what chloroform is, it's that drug that they put on rags and like make people pass out. <laughs>
1: Oh, like insider House Rules.
0: Yeah. Do they still use chloroform in the hospital setting?
1: Not that I'm aware of, but I think that's what they... Is it also called ether or is that something else?
0: Mm, I'm not sure about that, but I would not be surprised.
1: Because ether is what they gave my grandma. She would labor with she had eight kids and she labored. They allowed her to labor and then... They put her like put her under for like the pushing part. Technically, your body naturally will expel oh my a God. baby. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, she was like, "Oh no, they gave me ether," and I think that's inhaled like chloroform.
0: The problem is chloroform is super dangerous, and if it's given even the slightest bit of an overdose or too much for the patient, the patient can die. But um, yeah. the article says, despite the drug being hailed as a good substitute for ether, no, so it's not ether. Cases emerged of chloroform causing fatal cardiac or respiratory arrest. Multiple patients died after breathing it in, prompting doctors to revert back to using ether. In spite of this, however, chloroform was still used in mouthwashes and ointments. Eventually, in 1976, the Federal Drug Administration prohibited the use of chloroform for human consumption after the substance was found to cause cancer in lab animals. Great! So it could kill you or cause cancer. One of those two things.
1: And wait, what was it
0: used in? Um, Cough the, syrup?
1: Yes. I wonder why it, like if it, it must have really helped if they put it in there. but well, They
0: said to relieve asthma symptoms in general, it must open up the lung,
1: right? Lung vessels or something, something
0: to be used, well, to be used for asthma. It's got to have some sort of a, right effect that helps with that. So that's very strange, but. Number seven on the list is Miss Winslow's soothing syrup containing morphine. This is not quite as surprising of the other as the other ones, but in 1849, Miss Charlotte Winslow launched her soothing syrup in Maine. The cocktail, which combined ingredients such as sodium carbonate and aqua ammonia, may have been relatively harmless except for one point. It contained sixty five milligrams of morphine per fluid ounce. The syrup was advertised oh. as providing That's relief. A lot right and it's promoted for children the syrup a lot like that's a a decent even scarier the syrup was advertised as providing relief for children who were teething and one mother wrote to the new york times claiming its effect on her son was like magic he soon went to sleep and all pain and nervousness disappeared yeah because he was freaking high as a kite
1: (laughs) my kid was amazing he went right to sleep
0: Unfortunately, children ran the risk of being put to sleep permanently as a result of a morphine overdose. The American Medical Association denounced syrup as a baby killer in 1911, although it remained on the market in the UK until 1930. Yeah, let's get the kids nice and drugged up. I'm thinking right. that could be a pretty damn good remedy for kids on airplanes. <sighs> Just good kidding. Way. You can they, tell I'm not a sleep parent. A long time. <laughs> you yeah. can tell I am not a parent because <laughs> That's a little bit crazy. Um, the next one on this list is Ergo apio? apio. I am not even sure how to say it, but it says Ergo and Apio. I don't even. I've never even heard of this particular thing, but evidently, it was used as a medicine made from Ergo and Apio that was sold in the early 1900s to treat menstrual irregularities. Oh, that's interesting. So ergo is a type of fungus that grows on rye grain. From medieval times, it was used to control bleeding after childbirth and in some cases to bring about abortions. It can be incredibly toxic, however, and it is capable of reducing blood circulation to such an extreme that gangrene takes hold. It I can... wonder
1: if it causes the uterus to contract. That's what it and so That's like. why they would use it for abortion and postpartum bleeding.
0: But it also causes hallucinations. Fun stuff. Well, but the apiol portion of it is derived from celery leaves and parsley. In small doses, it can induce abortions and treat menstrual disorders, but large, it damage the liver and kidneys. So it's clearly not something that we're real familiar with or we use at all today because I've never heard of it, even in the slightest. But that doesn't yeah, mean that, no. you know, it's it wasn't a thing at some point or another, but... Number five on this list is Nebutol, which is a barbiturate. The barbiturate known as pentabarbital was invented in 1928, and the brand name Nebutol was first used by Dr. John Lundy in 1930. The advertisement above claims that Nebutol is an excellent drug to use when, pa- when, <laughs> when little patients balk at scary, disquieting examinations and when they're frightened and tense. Although pentobarbital is an FDA-approved sedative and is used to treat seizures and insomnia, it would seem dangerous to utilize it to treat nervous children by inserting it as a suppository. Oh my
1: gosh. So they put it
0: in them. (laughs) Not only can pentobarbital impede thinking and slow reactions, it can also be addictive while overdoses can be fatal. So, like, I don't know if you can see the little advertisement
1: Mm-hmm. Those oh are the gosh little, that poor kid. You
0: know, they're gonna put those in the kid it's like <laughs> seriously some cray cray stuff right here Um, fun number this list is quaaludes for those Aww. of you who don't know what clay- quaaludes are you're about to find out <laughs> a quaalude 300 was a brand name for a methaqualone I'm not sure if that's how you say that but a drug first patented in the US in 1962 it was prescribed as a sedative, a muscle relaxant and a treatment for insomnia. Jeez, they had a lot of insomnia and muscle and, like, problems yeah, right. with like craziness back in the day. But come 1965, it was the U- UK's most frequently prescribed sedative. By the early 1970s, it ranked 6th on the list of best-selling sedatives in the US. The advertisement above claims that Qualude 300 is a non-barbiturate and while this is true, the drug doses the drug does have barbiturate-like effects. Methaqualone depresses the central nervous system, reduces heart and respiratory rates, and numbs the fingers and toes. Frequent users of Qual- of Qualude 300 could have developed a tolerance to the drug, and methaqualone overdoses can result in death. In the late 60s and early 70s, people increasingly used the drug recreationally, and it was it has been off the market since 1982. So, those of you who watch old movies from the 70s, 60s, 70s, 70s and 80s Quaaludes were like a big thing, like a recreational drug back then. would be popping those. Wasn't Quaaludes. Marilyn Monroe
1: taking those?
0: That's what I heard. So, but she was also accused of taking a whole lot of other things. Um, true. Number three on the list is cigars de joy, which basically is tobacco. So, but they used it not as we use it now, but as a cure for asthma, cough, bronchitis, hay fever, influenza, and shortness of breath. So imagine that. Using tobacco to cure all those things.
1: But Did they smoke it? It's, you said yep, cigars, right? So they yep. smoked it.
0: So during the mid-19th century, two prominent physicians began to champion smoking as a treatment for asthma. One of them, an English doctor, Henry Hyde Salter, believed that asthma was caused by nervousness or excitement, which were said to lead to spasms of the bronchial tube muscles. Salter advocated a range of so-called treatments, including the use of stimulants to draw what he believed was morbid activity from the lungs. He also recommended taking tobacco as well as other sedatives like chloroform and stromonium to relieve and suppress irritation. As we now know, smoking can in fact exacerbate asthma and indeed trigger asthmatic attacks rather than relieving it. So, good times. <laughs> yeah, but I that. guess
1: if he was like oh these people are so anxious cuz they can't breathe maybe if they calm down they could breathe here's a cigarette <laughs> like well i mean else? i'm sure
0: that there's a certain degree of truth to that as far as you know when you get overly excited it can trigger an asthma attack but to use tobacco to relax somebody i mean right i, guess, I, I mean
1: know. but i you would think i guess they thought's Smoking was like healthy back
0: then. But. Yeah. You have those little cigarettes to joy. Good times. Give me a couple <laughs> cigarettes to joy or cigars to joy. I'm good with that. <laughs> Number two on the list is laudanum, which is opium. Essentially this mm-hmm. particular fun little drug was used quite frequently. I, whenever you read old school, like romantic novels, this was like the cure, the, the, the popular cure for women who had issues. But laudanum is an alcoholic extract containing around 10% powdered opium, a powerful narcotic and pain reliever from as early as 1676. It was promoted as a remedy for various conditions, and by the 1800s, it was used to treat everything from meningitis and menstrual cramps to yellow fever. Babies were spoon-fed the drug, which an advertisement for Atkinson's and Barker's Royal Infants Preservative claimed provided relief from teething pain, bowel problems, flatulence, and convulsions. So yeah, your baby's farting, give it some opium. That should work.
1: Great Goodness.
0: It also said that Londonum was a no- Oh, God. Was a no-stupefactive? I don't even know what that word is. Stupefactive. Deadly narcotic. It, so it's not a deadly narcotic. It's it's a preservative of infants. The ad failed to mention that besides its addictive properties, laudanum can cause constipation, itching, respiratory distress, and const- and constriction of the pupils. Although it is still <laughs> available, its use is restricted both in the U.S. and the U.K. So to, is this something that's still available in hospitals?
1: Opium? Yeah. No. Not that I'm aware. I well, mean, isn't not that the, I've ever seen. morphine a derivative of that? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean I believe opium I mean opium's an opiate and I think don't it's derived it's derived from the same plant. I think that like heroin and other opiates are um, But you need like to have from. some
0: hardcore stuff to be able to get that as a prescription, I would imagine. Well,
1: I've never heard of that being used. So if it is used, it's not Used by any docs that I've ever been around, but I've n- I've never been to a pain clinic. I've never yeah. You gotta
0: get with the good docs, Sam. <laughs> the <laughs> ones that give lomdenum. have docs.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the number one thing on this list is Noradin, which is considered a methamphetamine. I've never heard of this one either.
1: That I hadn't heard of. I wonder yeah. what they.
0: Used Noradin that one for. is one of the most frightening supposed medicines on this list. It was a brand name for methamphetamine, the potent drug withdrawal from which causes depression and which is strongly associated with suicide when used for long periods of time. The advertisement above claimed that norden was useful in dispelling the shadows of mild menstrual depression and that it has relatively few side effects. Never mind the fact that it can result in various alarming physiological effects including anorexia, tooth grinding, irregular heartbeats, insomnia, abnormal blood pressure, heart attacks, and strokes. It is also extremely addictive and is one of the hardest dependencies to overcome. Surprisingly, methamphetamine is occasionally used today as a treatment for ADHD and obesity.
1: I There are ADHD drugs, and I think it's Ritalin that if you are drug tested, it pops positive for amphetamines. I'm almost positive it's Ritalin. Because then there's kids who I'm like, I would not have guessed that kid was on meth. And it's not that he was on meth, it's that he was taking Ritalin. But I wonder if that meth was a lot cleaner than the stuff that people are using now, because now people will hallucinate and, like, you know, they get really crazy. I can't imagine. unless Because people are cooking that, that shit in their backyards now. Well, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> if the stuff back in the day is, like, clean and pure, and that's why the people weren't having all these crazy... Mixing it with, like, cat
0: shit and, like,
1: right, yeah Yeah. So sweat. This kind of meth was probably, like, the stuff from Breaking Bad, like, the real good stuff.
0: Yeah, they probably created it in a lab somewhere, like, professionally with sterile conditions and whatnot, like, I would imagine, right? Professionally
1: in 1900 <laughs> sterile conditions.
0: Well, as much as sterile as they could be back then. They, <laughs> That's true. Who knows how much of an idea they had about that as a concept either, but... Needless to say, that's very interesting. That was just a small sample, I'm sure, of what was actually available because with no real regulations during that time period, I'm pretty sure they had snake oil salesmen out there who were selling everything from like peyote to like cocaine, weed, like everything. But it probably had different names back then, I'm sure.
1: Well, and you could market things differently. And if someone said, oh, this is a medicine you weren't like oh well did the fda approve you know what i mean like yeah. you're well, just okay cool any tom good. dick
0: or harry could go throw something in a little glass bottle slap a paper label over it and go sell it you know yeah mean? and go town to town so they could sell it to you know it's just some amazing cure all drug for to like 50 people and then pick up all their shit and move on to the next town and then no one knows where to find them when people start dying yeah that's true or if, you know, people got super sick from whatever it was that they're selling, no one, number one, no one would be able to find the person that they bought it from to be able to sue them or claim, have claims against them. And number two, how would they even be able to narrow it down to say, hey, this bottle of tonic that I drank gave me, gave my dad a heart attack or gave me, you know, some weird heart palpitations or something like that, you know?
1: Right, right. Right
0: not enough knowledge and a lot of crazy theories back in the day, probably made for some interesting times. I I can imagine, um, getting into something a bit more innocuous at this point though. Like I asked Sam to kind of come back to me for this show and tell me some of the interesting kind of home remedies that she's heard about used or, um, experienced at one point in her medical career. So what do you got for us, Sam?
1: So, My grandmother told me that they used kerosene in their hair for lice, and I think it's because it must have drowned or suffocated the bugs, but talk about a fire hazard, good God. I mean, did they
0: straight up pour it on their head?
1: She didn't say how they had used it, but when they mentioned that, I thought, gosh, it sounds so dangerous and so irritating for your skin.
0: Well, that's not, I think, as unusual because I have also heard people say that you can get rid of lice by putting like dousing your head with olive oil or some form of oil, something like an oil so that yeah, it suffocates them. Right. So you keep it on your head until all of them die and then you comb your hair and there it supposedly is this miraculous cure.
1: Well, I would do olive oil first and at least your hair would be shiny.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah or like mayonnaise you can put mayonnaise on them and drown those suckers out and give yourself an amazing glowing right. head of,
1: like of glossy treatment <laughs> <laughs> um i mentioned the cocaine solution for nosebleeds that they use in the hospital that's not like a home remedy um someone had a patient had told me once they were going to go home they were in the er for cold symptoms and they were going to put, or they had put VIX on the bottoms of their feet because it works better, they said, than on your chest. And I've heard that too. I, I, yeah. I, since he had mentioned that to me, I've heard it a couple other times. And there must be some connection to your, like, upper respiratory area with the bottoms of the feet. When I was pregnant with my second, I was really late to deliver, and I went to an acupuncture person who put, I forget what oil, on the inside of my ankle to help to stimulate uterine contraction. And did it so, work? So, well, I did go into labor that night, but who knows if it's from that or because the kid was 10 days late.
0: Or the placebo but, effect was in full effect.
1: Right. Well, and I was due any time. I mean, I was jumping up and down and trying anything. Which, actually, uh, semen helps soften the cervix, I've heard. Which is why they say, if you want to, like, go into labor, have sex. And it's, yeah. Anyhow.
0: <laughs> and it's um, good times <laughs> in <Santa's
1: house>. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: I don't know. I think um, there's something to that, though, as far as the soles of the feet with absorption into the body. Because I've also yeah. heard it said that you could put an onion When you're getting sick or feeling sick, you take a raw onion and slice it in half and put it on the sole of your foot and then put a sock on and it's supposed to draw out the toxins. Have you ever heard that one?
1: Not onions specifically, but, um, oregano oil helps to, I think it's boost the immune system, but it's supposed to help when you're sick. And I've put that on the bottom of my feet and then I smell like a pizza, but. Yum. <laughs> yeah. You should try the onion with it too and see if that helps. <laughs> Your husband's like, sweetie smells so delicious. It smells right, and pizza. speaking of herbs, yeah. <laughs> um, garlic oil to the ear, which I've heard and I've heard it from people who are kind of hippy dippy, you know, but um my well, girlfriend actually
0: smell really bad.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. It I smelled like garlic and rain, you know. I didn't see them when they were sick. But, right. <laughs> Um, no, my girlfriend called me and was like, "I think I'm getting an ear infection. My ear hurts." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "They don't even try and prescribe antibiotics for ear infections anymore. They don't." Um, and I, not as much. There are studies from I want to say Canada that say that it's it's not really as effective as people think to put give antibiotics especially if it's a viral infection that caused it, then it's not going to touch it. But anyways, um, I told her, I was like, find someone who's lactating and put some breast milk or garlic oil in there. I've heard that. The Um, breast milk thing. Oh, breast milk cures all pink eye. um, That's is it psoriasis or eczema?
0: So did you just like pull a bunch of milk out and put it in the freezer for like cure all in the future?
1: Well, I had a girl at my last job ask me um, for some breast milk, and I don't know what she did with it, for something for her kid. Did you give it to her? And hell yeah, I did. I was like, here you (laughs) go. How much do you want? It's (laughs) legit. If you get someone with some good breast milk. And so recently, one of my sons started getting irritation in his eye, and I was all dried up by then. And so I knew a girl at work who was breastfeeding, and she gave me some breast milk, and I put it in my kid's eye.
0: Well, I, think I, I guess went away. You can freaking order breast milk online now, and you can get breast milk
1: ice cream. That's no joke. That's that's disgusting. But <laughs> I draw the line there. But I didn't know you could order it online. Well, I'd be nervous though. So I want it fresh. I want all those antibodies and everything that's in there. Like you need it fresh squeezed. <laughs> oh Lord. So- Fresh <laughs> or, or at least know the freezer it came from yeah but
0: I've, anyhow i'm not entirely sure about that particular thing um yeah. how delicious or how weird it would be to like mix that in with anything but again I, I wouldn't be completely opposed to it and it's like the placenta thing did you what about that would you eat a placenta
1: I, oh i did twice i mean not really eat it i had it um They dried it it out like beef jerky, and then they ground it up. Some people will steam it, but I did mine raw. And I had a little anxiety postpartum, but nothing crazy, and I didn't lose clumps of hair. So, I don't know.
0: So you think the placenta helped?
1: Well, I don't know that it, every pregnancy is different. And um, I, with both my kids did it, so I don't know. I can say that I didn't go totally loony, and I mean not that it would help. There, some women suffer terribly from postpartum, but mine wasn't. My postpartum anxiety wasn't that bad. It was just very slight, and it didn't last very long. And I didn't like some women complain of losing clumps of hair, and I didn't have that either. Well, I also have to
0: wonder how much of that has to do with vitamin and mineral depletion, because when you have a baby, that sucks tons of that out of you, and then when you're breastfeeding and all that. If you're you know, not eating a perfectly balanced diet and giving yourself supplements, you're going to fuck your body up.
1: Yes, but I think the placenta has more to do with um, maintaining or slowly um, bringing your hormone levels down. Because after you have a baby, it's such a crash. I mean, you're used to these pregnancy hormones and then they're not there anymore. And the way I understood it is that it is a gradual decline rather than just boom you're done okay kind of like weaning yourself
0: with the placenta then you have little bits of it each day you have one like you have doses Mm -hmm. like what is it you don't just have it once you don't just have a freaking take that whole placenta and have a smoothie in one day
1: Mm -mm. and the people that have smoothies I believe they still use little pieces of it at a time and so I was taking I think I got 90 pills and like 80 pills with my second one so I had it was like two pills three times a day or was it three pills twice a day and then for like a week and then you went to like so let's say it was two pills three times a day for a week and then two pills twice a day for a week and then one pill, you know, twice a day or three times a day. So it was like a slow decline until all the pills were gone.
0: Okay, so you took your placenta after you had the babies and you sent it off to a company? Like, how, how did that happen?
1: No, so a lot, in a lot of towns now, they there are people or like many companies that'll do it. So when I was in California, I had to have like blood tests showing that I was hepatitis and HIV negative for like OSHA or I don't know whatever company regulates that so she came to the hospital and picked it up um, like within a couple hours of birth and took it to her house and used it like cut it up I guess and put it in the dehydrator and dehydrated it and then um, ground it into like a powder and then put it into capsules Wow. Uh, and with my second one she was at, I had a home birth with my second one and he, she was at the house within like 12 hours. So, and came and picked it up and then delivered it.
0: Wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Most of those places, I don't think you can do, maybe you can do it online. I don't know. I, would, on something I don't like think that. you could mail it though, because it has, to, it would decay because it's like a part of your body that's now dead. And like that, it has to be like in town, I would think.
0: What is does it cost on something like that?
1: Did I pay. I don't. Was it 200 or like 150? So that's not bad. No, not terrible. I mean, what are they doing? They're turning your body part into beef jerky and grounding it up and saying, here's your pills. So, you
0: know. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: and and then he, who even knows what I got? My dad's like, how do you even know what that is? Right. He's like, it I don't know. They could be like... giving me dog shit. I don't right.
0: know. <laughs> it could be real beef jerky. Take it down. Right? <laughs> anyways any other crazy remedies you have for us
1: um so many people know about these but the salt water gargling when you're sick because salt is actually an anti like a naturally an antibacterial anti uh viral oh yeah um so gargling with salt water is a good one
0: so the natty, and if, the i feel pot.
1: like All pregnant people have been told, ginger for nausea, which with my first kid, it was like magic. It worked amazing. The Trader Joe's ginger mints, I was popping those things all the time. And then with my second kid, I couldn't stand it. So I don't know. Um, But a lot of people like ginger for nausea. And then there's a nurse recently who told me about, for constipation, a drink called a brown cow. And they heat up. Oh boy! I'm scared. I'm scared already. (laughs) They heat up prune juice and put a package like one of those little mini packaged butters into it and melt the butter into the prune juice and have them just chug it down. Ew! And some people swear by it. So if you can't get doctors,
0: have you ever tried
1: it? No, I choked down prune juice once because I was constipated at work and I knew I was almost off.
0: Dude, um, but that shit doesn't have, work for me. I could eat a whole freaking thing of prunes and it wouldn't do shit.
1: Yeah, I have bowels of steel as well.
0: That's where enema comes in.
1: Oh, see, I would do a mag citrate before I do an enema. Because I've ways. done an enema once and it didn't even like get to where I needed it to go.
0: Coffee like, enema.
1: It, oh, that I haven't tried.
0: It is a balls, And it sort of stimulates your bile duct. So it clears everything out.
1: Do you do it to yourself?
0: Yep. Really? I do once a week. No kidding. It's amazing. Huh. I have to do a whole show on enemas because quite frankly, they sound weird and people get all freaked out about that <laughs> shit. But I'm telling you, there have been a lot of famous people out there that have used enemas. And there are actually people out there that advocate coffee enemas as a cure for cancer. So, like, there's a lot of research about those and about them being used for cures for pain, for, like, skin disorders, for, like, all kinds of different things.
1: Weren't there, I feel like, in the one big city I lived in, this was probably, like, 10 years ago, colonics was huge.
0: I'm telling you. We Isn't that what it's so, called? Yeah.
1: It's, like, all different kinds of solutions that they'll put up there. Yeah. And, like, it's like a clinic.
0: Because we actually absorb so many toxins and keep so much nasty waste in our bodies that we are not processing and getting rid of. yeah. That's so true. Like, it's it's totally believable that by clearing that out that you could help get rid. They actually say that if you do regular enemas that it helps clear plaque out of your arteries as well, because there's plaque that goes into your colon and your intestines from the foods you eat that doesn't get cleared out when you pass feces through the tubes. So when you do the coffee enema, it clears everything out, including the plaques that could potentially build up and cause interesting issues with your heart and your lungs and your liver and your body. So it's very interesting.
1: I would be interested to know if they've done like a colonoscopy before and then after to see like, is it truly clearing it out? You okay, know what I mean? so here's like- the
0: deal. You got to promise to come back on the show at a later date and do an enema slash colonic slash show with me. Will you do it?
1: Well, yeah, I'll I'll do it, but I would need let's talk shit a little bit of time to like <laughs> right. I'm gonna go to like the medical hospital resource and see like the act like real studies.
0: Got to do some research. We got to do that, but I want yeah. you to come back and do a shit show with me. Let's do oh, a shit show. I'm all
1: about the shit show. <laughs> That's my life as a shit show.
0: Well, it's about the time right now to kind of wrap things up for the day. Since we've pretty much hit our time marker. I just want to thank Sam so, so much for coming on the show with me today. She is a dear, dear friend of mine. I love her to pieces we have had many, many nights together when we cooked and drank wine and just had really good conversation. So I definitely hope she will be a guest on the show at a later date. Oh, uh, I I'd love, love to. to have her again.
1: I miss our cooking sessions. There are some <laughs> things I cook, like the quinoa salad, especially that I think, oh, Sarah and my cupcakes. Every time I open a bottle times. of champagne,
0: I think about you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh and so, the chambord
0: too right champagne Anyways. and chambord oh no 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 I always think of uh champagne and hip was it hypnotic we were having hypnotic. With it? yes oh my god oh, was that the was the
1: best. best raging headaches the next day but it didn't even matter it was so delicious
0: I would come home and Sam would be there because our two significant others at the time were um away on what where were they deployed at the same time Mm-hmm. And so I would go over there and we would hang out, and Sam would cook and she would make cupcakes for me and like everything. Oh, else. Yeah. I would come over there after work and she would be cooking up a storm.
1: That's my love language. I love to cook for people. Oh my God, oh, it's the best. It.
0: I still use a bunch of your recipes that you gave me, and it is the best. That I'll have salad. To send you some new ones. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I've got some new
1: go tos. All right, we're so, gonna, we're anyhow. gonna
0: we're gonna wrap things up here. This is the point where we say goodbye. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send us an email. We love getting emails from you guys. We are going to start reading some of those on the show. I promise. Um you can also check out our other podcast called Bizarre and Fascinating Details or the BFD podcast. We would love to have you guys tune into that one to listen as well. And please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions and treatments. Good night podcast peeps, stay healthy, keep it real and always live your best life. Bye Good night listeners. <laughs>